sometimes um, we can have the thought that our practice can really start once certain conditions are in place. Like, for example, something needs to come or something needs to go. And if something else were here or if this one thing weren't here, then I could really practice. You know, by, um, if I could just get the right cushion so that my leg doesn't fall asleep every time. And each time you try a different cushion and you check how many minutes it is until your leg falls asleep. And then you think about, well, what is it that's different about the mechanics of this cushion? And once I get that perfect one where my leg doesn't fall asleep, then, then I'm really going to be able to practice or whatever, or the sound, or something else, if that would just end. Then I could really do it. So today I want to talk about the fact that actually all conditions are a good time for practice. That is, that everything is the path. Everything can be a path. And we'll talk about a number of things that go with that idea. There are some questions that can be brought to mind. The mind is thinking it needs something else. For example, if not now, when? The only time that you can practice is actually now, because this is really the only time past is gone, future hasn't come yet, so now this is it. And if not with this, then with what? This is what there is right now. And the idea that some conditions would be better than these ones is basically the mind of wanting which is the mind of dukkha, or unsatisfactoriness. The idea that something besides this would be better. Now, of course, we have this thought a lot throughout the day in various ways. I don't know that it always leads to dukkha, but we can check for desire for the conditions to be different is coming from a place of of wanting, of wanting something or pushing something away. And then we can relax that and say, ah, this this is the moment of practice, actually, and it's just fine as it is. One way to practice like this is to adopt a little mantra that says something like turn all mishaps into the path. Maybe what we label as a mishap actually isn't really that. In some ways there are kind of no mistakes because what's happening is happening because the conditions for it are there. It's really what has to happen. 
And if something isn't happening, it's because the conditions for it aren't there. And the conditions always change. Always. (coughs) So there's always a way through. I have a friend whose husband died. I don't know exactly when, but maybe five or six years ago. And of course, she says that, you know, she wishes that she hadn't lost her life partner. But interestingly, she's a strong practitioner. And in, in response, she has turned her home into kind of a Dharma way station for traveling Dharma teachers and other people. This path seems to turn people into travelers. She started up a wider range of service activities. Basically, that same energy of hers that was, say, the energy of caring for someone, the energy of connecting, the energy of sharing, some of that kind of went away when there wasn't the partner to do that with. And then, because her heart was open and she was willing to keep practicing, like those streams just found another channel to flow through. And I don't know that it would, I'm not saying this is the ideal response um, for what should be done, but I just noticed that that's what happened in her, and I attribute it to her having an attitude of practice. And for, for us it may look different, but that attitude, I think, it keeps the heart open and the mind open, it's going to allow those energies to keep flowing in some way. My parents were recently away from their home for two months. <coughs> they live in Michigan. And um, so this is, I think it was January and February, something like that. So it was winter time. And their house has this ancient steam heating system. I don't even know if they build things like that anymore. And it's quite lovely, actually. It creates beautiful, radiant, moist heat. And it, it's, um, it actually has a little valve that you have to manually turn every now and then. I don't know how often. Every couple weeks or month or something like that. To fill a little tank and then you turn it off again. And so they had a neighbor coming to do this for them because you can't let a heating system go off during in a place that freezes. And they went fine for a while and they had other people do it. But one day um, the neighbor turned on the little valve and forgot to turn it off. And the water filled up, and it filled up into the radiators, and it overflowed and spilled onto the hardwood floors, and there was nobody in the house to notice this. Actually, my dad has forgotten, but he noticed right away when the water started coming out of the radiators. And so as a result, 
uh, hardwood floors were ruined. From the second floor, it came down into the ceiling. It wasn't a good scene. Not what they expected when they went away for two months to come back to. And of course, they had to start some of the process on the phone before they got back. And now the insurance is going to do okay there. But um, it was certainly a mishap. And a lot of things could have happened from that. You know, uh, there's a little awkward relationship with the neighbor for example, who feels terrible. And, yeah, a lot of things could have gone certain ways, right? But um, I was impressed that my parents took it pretty much in stride. Fortunately, part of the house doesn't have hardwood floors, and they can live in that. All the floors are being done. But instead, they realized what they valued. They valued their relationship with their neighbor more than whatever the pain of this was going to be. And I also um, was talking to them on the phone, and my dad said, so was there ever anything about that section of the house that you didn't really like and you wanted to change? I mean, they're getting everything they've done. Here's your chance. <laughs> So he said, "Do you want a did you, did you want a different kind of ceiling in the dining room? Because we get to replace that." So he kind of found the opportunity in an otherwise pretty unpleasant situation. You don't have to be a Buddhist practitioner to have that kind of resilience. Although both my parents are meditators. I don't know exactly how to attribute that, but I do notice that people who have paid some attention to their life develop some wisdom by the time they get older about things changing and things falling apart at times. And that's a real protection. It was a protection for them in a tough situation. It was a protection for their neighbor who just made a mistake. always a way through and the practice is so supportive another little mantra we might consider is be grateful to everyone probably we're not really grateful to everyone at this moment there's a few people that we wouldn't put in that category and it's not easy. We can't make ourselves do that. So you can't say, oh, I should do that. But the, the idea, the spirit of this is that if everything's practiced, then, you know, we're grateful to the people who help us and our friends and benefactors because they bring us joy and peace and they make this life that's not so easy easier. And we're grateful to all the people that we don't even know because... I didn't grow the food that I ate today. There was a lot of other people involved in that. I'm grateful to that. And we can be grateful to those who make our lives somewhat difficult. 
Because if there were no difficulty, we would really have no need for compassion. If there were no difficulty at all, we'd have really need for practice. Some good things happen out of challenge when we're open-hearted. There's a Zen story um, about a young woman who lives near a monastery and she's very inspired by the practice that goes on there and she wants to come and visit and learn to meditate. But her life is kind of not so conducive to that. Um, Unfortunately, she loses her husband and she has small children and then she also has elderly parents all living at home with her and she is the only person who can work so she has to work very hard she has several jobs she's staying up late every night and she goes to the abbess of the monastery and says this is really hard I'm so inspired by what you do but it just doesn't fit in my life because of these things And the abbess says with great compassion, Oh, don't worry. Your practice practice can be just as rich and deep as if you were a meditator. Your practice is to be grateful for everything in your life. And the young woman found that to be true when she took up that practice seriously. Sometimes people can even end up being grateful for illnesses or for job losses. They may not have been that fun at the time. Maybe there wasn't enough spaciousness to see it that way in the moment. But some people learn that a a break or a stop, something helps them refocus on what's valuable to them, for example. I see people in the hospital who were not expecting to be there. And sometimes they're very angry and agitated and upset about that. And sometimes that kind of settles into realizing that they want to do some things differently that they might not have realized if they'd just been allowed to just keep running and running and running through their life. So they end up grateful in certain ways. Even if it's hard or even if there are permanent changes from what happened. Again, it's not every time and it's not something we can create, but it's a possibility if we open to seeing everything as the path. So we come to understand through this attitude of making everything the path that it's really the mind that suffers, irrespective of the state of the world, if you will. And there is suffering. That's the first noble truth. 
There is suffering out there. There's suffering in here. What kind of a domain where we can work on it is in, in our mind most directly. And it kind of starts there. You know, as we if we have less suffering in our mind, then we have more capacity to address the suffering in the rest of the world. And of course, this is not all about the suffering. One thing this practice will do of treating everything as a practicable moment is that it actually starts to loosen our grip on our views and our thoughts and the seriousness of all this. It's a moment of practice. It's not a mishap, it's not a tragedy. And there's a lovely phrase um, that we can come to appreciate our lunacy. And this refers to just the craziness that goes through our mind. All kinds of wacky thoughts go through our mind. It's actually said that people become more eccentric with practice. So you can rest assured that you're on this path to becoming much more eccentric. My teacher, um, Phil Fronstall, was not that long ago, like five or six years ago, um, which is you know pretty far into his path, he said one time he was he was walking along the road and he passed a pickup truck that had a tarp in the back over something, whatever was in the back. Pretty common sight that you would see. And he just walked by it and his mind produced the thought, I wonder if there's a body under there. And he thought, what? <laughs> where did that come from? Well, where did that thought come from? And it appeared in his mind. He didn't he didn't then say, oh no, where did that come from? A Dharma teacher shouldn't think thoughts like that, or what's up with that? He just appreciated that all the vast five, fifteen billion years of evolution in the universe had come to that moment. <laughs> How many moments like that do we have per day? What a wacky universe this is. So we can enjoy this. So this begins to point toward the fact that there's something deeper going on here. You know, normally if we just live our lives on the surface, we're dealing with what's called the content of life. So, what am I supposed to do today? How should I respond to that uh, argument I'm having with my partner? Who said what to whom? How am I going to take care of this or that difficulty that's come up and this thing I have to get through. And that's fine, you know, we do have to, we do deal with that level. But what if we shifted also to seeing experience as an opportunity to develop the mind in some way? So instead of being stuck in, there's no way I can forgive her for that. We could open to actually that would be a really great thing if it were to happen. Not that we can immediately, but 
just being benefited <coughs> changing the mind in that way or sitting in a meeting how boring to listen to all these people expressing the same opinions they express all the time or we could cultivate compassion loving kindness kind of on the side it's kind of like a secret parallel universe that goes on in your mind about how to see things no one has to know it adds a little flavor to life And there's no one right answer to how to do that. You know, it's not like you should develop loving kindness in this particular situation. I don't think so. There's plenty of other things. You could just practice mindfulness. For some people, the response to a certain thing will be generosity. If they're trying to develop the mind, someone else, um, more of a wisdom response. There isn't just one correct way to practice if you want everything to be practiced. It'll be your flavor of it, shaped by the conditions of your mind. It's kind of fun to discover how that unfolds. So it's all a path, and we've been trying to see it that way. I'll finish with a quote from Stephen Batchelor from his book, Living with the Devil. As we learn to play this complex instrument of bones, flesh, nerves, impulses, thoughts, and feelings, we trace a path that weaves its way like a channel through the landscape of our experience. It is guided by an intuitive yearning for what we value most deeply. Its space is the openness we are able to tolerate within our hearts and minds. It is sustained by the networks of friendship that inspire us to keep going. The path follows the contours of our life as one day turns into the next. It is found amidst the most mundane of circumstances as well as the most sublime. To create a path is to become intimate with the space opening up within, around, and before us. This intimacy comes from the mindful awareness of what is unfolding in our body, feelings, minds, and worlds from moment to moment. We get used to the taste, the feel, the texture of the path. It ceases to be something to which we self-consciously aspire. When we stray from it, we feel its loss as an act of self-betrayal. So may your practice and your life perfectly overlap. Thank you. We have time for any questions or comments, objections, if you think there are experiences that can't be made into the path.
practice that we um, feel like conditions are right. I think that's in my experience, it's often something that I experience with life in general. Mm. The conditions uh, like, of your life aren't right somehow? Well, yeah, so you know, you want the condition to be different in some way, and mm. you feel like you might not be able to move on or something like that. If justice would be different, then mm-hmm. it yeah. would be okay. Mm-hmm. And I think it actually applies just to life as well, that every condition out of the situation has something to Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.